I'm going to preach, but I don't have to. Don't say amen there. Because <laughs> it's already been that good, and uh, I praise the Lord for it. But I am going to preach. So take your Bibles and turn to Second, Second Timothy, <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter 4. And if you're able, if you'll stand in honor of God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 4, very familiar passage, and uh, I'll come back to some of the purpose for it here in just a moment, but 2 Timothy chapter 4, begin there at verse number 1. Of course, you know this is the Apostle Paul's signature sign-off, you could say, epistle as he writes to his son in the ministry. I charge thee, therefore, you've probably heard it said when you read the word therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. (laughs) And it's therefore because what's said in chapter 3, look at verse number 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. And then we won't take the time, but read on through the next few verses there. You read that and say it's like front page news. Are we in perilous times or what? If you just read the account there, the characterization of what it's going to be like, you say, we're there. (laughs) Hello, duh. Skip down to verse number 12 in chapter 3. He says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Okay, so therefore, because of these conditions, okay, that you're going to find yourself in, Timothy, and of course the Apostle Paul uh, saw through a glass darkly, but God knows all about it, and he knew that this was written for our admonition and for our learning in our day. It was perilous enough in Paul's day, obviously, and as I think I said last night, we've gotten spoiled here in America in the last 240 years, but it's coming around because it is the last days, I'm convinced, and I, I believe everyone here is. So back to chapter 4, verse 1. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be in season, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, like song leader made mention of. (laughs) Yeah. Churches are not even churches anymore. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Skip down to verse number 9. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And is departed into Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark, of course that's John Mark, and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Let's pray. Lord, once more, here we are in your house, around your word, and glad to be able to do so. I'm thankful for the folks who have made their way here tonight, and I know at some difficulty, the weather uh, being the condition it is, and so I'm thankful for those that have put a priority and even a willingness of sacrifice to be here tonight, 
And I pray that our coming would not be in vain, but Lord would be uh, a divine appointment really where you would meet with us and speak to our hearts and accomplish what you have in store to do in each of our lives. For us collectively, certainly, but most importantly for us individually. And so I pray we would be attentive in that way, that knowing that you're going to speak to us personally. And we certainly pray you will. Speak to me, Lord. I need it as much as anyone here. And so I pray that you'll encourage us and challenge us from the word of God. Convict us, all the things, Lord, it's your call. What you need to do, you know what needs to be done. And so... We'll just commit the service to you now, look to you, and even thank you now for what you're going to do. In Jesus' precious name, amen. <clears throat> thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> this is the Thursday night meeting. I'm on top of it. Amen. <laughs> Thursday night crowd is a special crowd because this is what would be called an off night. Shouldn't be off for God's people. We ought to be here. Amen. Amen. But we know not everyone's here. And I know there are certain circumstances that keep some from being here who would be here. But there's some who could be here who aren't here. So I always say on the Thursday night crowd, on a meeting like this, this is the special crowd. This is, this is the folks that are committed. And I trust, I'm not whistling in the dark here. I trust that's the case for you. And you didn't come because somebody twisted your arm. You came because you wanted to be here. Amen. 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 That being said, my message tonight is going to be designed in that way. And I take you back to your theme for this meeting as you're celebrating your 43rd anniversary. Continue steadfastly. Amen and amen. amen. God's not done yet. Amen. We're to occupy till he comes. He hasn't come yet. You know how I know that? <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> Amen. He hasn't come yet, okay? But he's coming. And we're to be found faithful when he does come. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, that being said, as Paul wrote to Timothy here, and I say in, in a larger sense, in a more particular sense, as God writes to us in this time frame, uh, these are perilous times, times of real challenge. I think I made mention last night, it's as it waxes worse and worse, as Paul makes mention here, uh, we're going to find out who really loves the Lord and who's really committed at whatever the expense may be. And I've been among those, maybe as, as you have, who have said, I don't know what I'd do if they put a gun to my head and said, you deny Christ or it's over for you. I would hope, <laughs> I would like to think God knows my heart. I would say like, I remember John Rice, I heard him preach one time, and he was given an illustration. He was mugged in a uh, parking garage. A guy puts a gun to him, says, give me your wallet. And John Rice said, young man, you can't threaten me with heaven. <laughs> and he said, the guy said, what? He said, you can't threaten me with heaven. He didn't know what to say. He just left. <laughs> I would like to think I would say the same. You can't threaten me with heaven. Yeah, because that's where I'm going to go. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Yeah. But again, who knows what they would do until they're put in that place altogether. Do we know what we'd do? Yeah. But I'd, I'd like to think I would be willing and ready to lay down my life. 
But I'm just saying that kind of stuff's coming our way. Okay? And so, and that's not all. I'm not just talking about the physical persecution. I'm talking about some things that we've already experienced. And I, the church at 43 years of age, I know you have. Your pastor, I know, has. And I want to call your attention to what Paul kind of mentions in passing in verse number 10. He says, for Demas hath forsaken me. Have you experienced the loss of a faithful brother or sister in the Lord? I'm talking about they were involved in serving the Lord and a testimony and an inspiration and a blessing. And for whatever reason, somehow they made shipwreck of their life. I'll share a personal experience close to my heart. About six or seven years ago now, son-in-law married to my oldest daughter. He's a deacon leading our youth group. Got involved with a woman at work and ran off with her. To this day, he's still away from God. Home was broken up. My grandkids suffering because of it. Who wants to experience that kind of stuff? Who ought to experience that kind of stuff? Not God's people. <laughs> but last days, perilous times. And it's interesting. Uh, I'll just take a moment. <clears throat> Page back to Colossians chapter 4, just a few pages back there. Colossians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul's writing to the church at Colossae, and he says, For I bear him record, he's talking about Epaphras, he's commending the brother in the Lord there. He says, For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you, and them that are in Laodicea, and them in Hierapolis, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. We're talking about Demas who, come on, we're talking about was a faithful servant to, right alongside the Apostle Paul. In fact, go over to Philemon. Philemon on the other side uh, there of Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon. He makes mention of him again in uh, well, verse number 23. He says, their salute, he's talking about, there where you are, Philemon, salute Epaphras. There's that man he was talking about earlier. My fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. Demas, a fellow laborer. <laughs> I don't think he was half-hearted. Come on. If he's a servant together with the Apostle Paul, I mean, he's been going through some suffering. He's been going through some sacrifice. He's been going through some things that de demand real commitment. We don't have a whole lot of detail about Demas, but just the fact that Paul makes mention of him, he's serving along with him, I think we can draw the conclusion. Come on, here's a guy that's all in. Here's a guy that's a faithful servant of the Lord. But there came a point when... He forsook. He turned away. He cashed it in. He gave it up. 
My message tonight is going to be more on a teaching level than a preaching level. But I think it's needed as we go into these perilous times. And I just, I don't often give the title of my message, but here it is. What to do after a Demas experience. And I, I like the fact some folks take notes all the time. And, and I think we ought to always have maybe a pencil nearby. If God speaks to our heart in a certain way, we can kind of jot down something. But I would suggest maybe this would be something helpful for you that you might just kind of take the major points here. I would even say it's as we get into these last days and we're going to see more of this, it might be something you want to keep in the flyleaf of your Bible, kind of keep handy <laughs> on what you do because it's heart-wrenching. It's to the point, I've re been reading some statistics lately are kind of dis disheartening on how many preachers are cashing it in. Because they're just beat down. And they're, they're weary and they're tired and they're kind of living on the edge as it is. And then some event like this happens in their church or in their personal ministry and it kind of pushes them over the edge. And they give it up. Well, there's a lot of Christians in the same way. They, and here's the problem. We'll touch on some of this in a moment. In every instance, you've got to remember who you're serving. If you're serving people, and I know the ministry is serving people, I understand that, but you're, that's not the person or the, those are not the individuals you're going to give answer to. Amen. The one you're serving is your Lord and Savior. Amen. And here's the good news. He'll never disappoint you. Amen. He'll never let you down. Amen. He'll never hurt you. Come on. He loves you. <laughs> I'm telling you with a love beyond our comprehension. He is, he's on our side. We need a purpose to be on his side. That's the key, isn't it? But remember who you're serving. If you're serving people, I'm telling you, you won't last long. Because they will hurt you. I pastored 41 years. I've got, I got my war stories. <laughs> I mean, of things that hurt. <laughs> I mean, hurt. Lord Jesus will never hurt you. Amen. <laughs> so again, here's, here's why I'm applying it. Because your theme, continue steadfastly. Steadfast means unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Come on, let, let's just commit to the cause Come what may, who knows what, Lord, I'm going to be in there. <laughs> Things may not be going real well. I may not be as productive as I'd like to see. I may experience a lot of hardship and heartache, but Lord, you can count on me. I'm going to be faithful. I'm purposing in my life. Nothing is going to stop me. Okay? Someone said a good test of your real character is what does it take to stop you? I know of people... They didn't pick the carpet they wanted for the auditorium. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm telling you, what's lying ahead and what's coming down the pike, if you can't endure that kind of stuff, oh, my soul. Jesus made this statement. This is a sobering statement. 
In Luke 18, he said, when the Son of Man cometh, not if the Son of Man cometh, because we know he's coming. He said, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Now, he's not talking about saving faith. Because the Apostle Paul, yea, God through the pen of the Apostle Paul said, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. There's going to be saved people. I'm, I'm trusting I'm going to be among them. When the Lord comes back, I don't want to die. I want to be raptured out. And so my hope and my aspiration is that I'm going to be, and I think it's close, so I'm just trusting I'm going to be alive when he comes. Well, I know I'm saved. How about you? <laughs> so we're not talking about saving faith. We're talking about living by faith. We're talking about folks that have a spring in their step and a smile on their face and a joy in their heart in the midst of suffering and hardship and things waxing worse and worse. Going to be a little test. Yeah, going to be a test of our faith, isn't it? So, will I find faith? Jesus knew what it's going to be like. Let me say this too. If it is us, this crowd, and I say us, this generation, and we're going to be the ones in the last days when Jesus comes. You know what? That, that's kind of a compliment. That God thinks we're of the capability, that we're maybe of the quality, that we will endure hardness as a good soldier. At least we'll have the opportunity to prove that. <laughs> Amen. That's kind of a blessing. Because I'm thinking, you know, God doesn't want... <laughs> Bunch of panty wastes to be his people in the last days. They, they, won't, they won't make it. <laughs> so the fact he's placed us in this time frame, it's kind of a compliment. He sees in us, come on, some credibility, some capability. Yeah. So again, what do you do after a demon's experience? Because as things wax worse and worse, some of these heart-wrenching experiences like this, Demas hath forsaken me. Who am I looking at tonight? When the heat ramps up, you're not going to be here. I'll just jump right out there and speak for your pastor. If you're not here, he's going to be hurting. He's vested his life in you. He's expecting you to having done all stand. <laughs> and your Lord's expecting it too. <laughs> and he has a right to expect it. Paul expected it of Demas. I think the Lord expected it of Demas. But Demas hath forsaken me. <laughs> having loved this present world. He didn't just forsake Paul. He forsook his Savior and the ministry God had given him. So what do you do? When you face this kind of thing, come on, because it's going to be a discouragement. It's going to be a heartache. Come on, help me here. <laughs> this is a family affair here. Everybody's special. Don't want to be losing anybody. It'd be no pleasant experience to lose anybody. Nobody's expendable. Come on. Oh, we say, well, everybody's expendable. I understand that, but I'm talking about we don't want to be losing anybody to the cause. We need everybody in, engaged. We need everybody committed. We need everybody to be enduring the hardness as a good soldier. We need everybody. So when you lose anybody, it hurts. Okay. It hurts God's cause. 
It hurts the fellow laborers that are laboring together with them. Paul called Demas a fellow laborer. So again, what do you do? Well, Paul maybe has this in mind for Timothy because he's thinking, I'm, you know, you read there in verse number eight, I'm about to depart. My time's up here, but Timothy, the ball's going to be, I'm handing it off to you, and you're going to have to keep going. You're going to have to endure hardness. You're going to have to remain steadfast, come on, in your place of service. And so he knows what he's experienced, so he's thinking, man, it's going to wax worse and worse. Then Timothy's going to have it tougher than I've had it. And he gives account of some of the things he experienced. It was no picnic, that's for sure. So Timothy, I charge thee, therefore, okay? And this is number one. I would just say right up front, Paul speaks to it. Recognize your charge. Recognize your charge. I charge thee. Come on, every one of us is an individual soldier in the army of our Savior. I haven't been in the military. Your pastor has. I think he would agree with this. When you go to war, come on, you don't want to lose anybody. <laughs> and, and you're thankful to have everybody because you want as many as you can on your side when you engage the enemy. But the responsibility falls to the individual. And come on, we got a man up. We got a woman up <laughs> in our place of responsibility. So it's a charge to, to us, of course, from the Lord Jesus. <laughs> this isn't just Paul's word. This is God's word. Yeah. And God expects us to step up and to man up and to be found faithful. So it's a charge. Come on. God has commissioned us, you could say. God has ordered us. God has commanded us. It's, it's a charge you have and I have. We all have to get, not just your pastor, not just the deacons or your Sunday school teacher. Come on, everybody here is a part of the cause. And so take it personal. It is personal. I charge thee, Timothy. God charges you and just put your name in there. So recognize your charge. Number two, here's a good one. Don't try to make judgment about the other person. Because you really can't. You can't know it all together. So don't try to make judgment. <clears throat> look, look in chapter 2. Just back up a little bit. In verse number 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Back there in our text, in verse number one, he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. The judge is the judge. <laughs> the Lord is the judge. We're not judges. In fact, that scripture about judge not lest you be judged is not the fact that you can't judge whether someone's saved or not. You can make a judgment on that. By their fruit shall you know them, Jesus said. But you can't judge their motives. You don't know what's motivated them. You don't know all the circumstances that have been involved for which they've done whatever they've done. You can make a judgment that it may not be right, and we'll come to that here in just a moment, but you can't judge why they did it. You don't know their heart. You don't know all the circumstances involved uh, that, that, that were involved with, with the calamity or the tragedy that took place in their life. Okay, So... <clears throat> 
There's all kinds of admonition. Galatians chapter 6, Paul said, If any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Here it is. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Come on, only by the grace of God, so go I. <laughs> I tell you what, many times I, I've known of fellow preachers that have fallen. <clears throat> it's in any of us. What was his disciples asked the Lord Jesus about, uh, oh, I can't remember the passage when he talks about that which comes out of a man. And the Lord said, it's not that which is in a man that, be, uh, that uh, condemns him. What's the word? Defiles him. Thank you. It's that what comes out of him. And he goes, lists all these things that's on the inside. It's not pretty. You know who you are? We're sinners. But thank God we're saved by the grace of God. And we are what we are by the grace of God. And the apostle Peter knew by his own experience, if you think you stand, you better be careful lest you fall because I'm telling you what happened to me. Oh, the rest of them may deny you, Lord, but you can depend upon me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a heartbreaking story, isn't it? You read the end of that account. It says, <laughs> Peter went out and wept bitterly. Yeah, because he came to grips with who he was. We better come to grips with who we are. We compare ourselves among ourselves. We're not wise. Pharisee and the publican, Pharisee pompously. Glad I'm not like that guy. Yeah, we can, and we wouldn't always, it's not like we compare ourselves with somebody better than we think we are. It's easy to compare ourselves with somebody that's not as good as we think we are. Yeah. So again, don't try to make judgment about the other person. Look at what Paul says in verse number 14. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. I'll just leave it to the Lord to judge all that. I'm certainly not pleased what happened to, to me by him, but I'm not his judge. God will take care of that. Come on, that's the attitude we've got to take. God will take care of him. We need to pray for him. Yeah. Pray for those that despitefully use you. I mean, you can put it in that context too. So don't try to make judgment about the other person. Number three, recommit yourself to faithfulness. Look at verse number two again. Preach the word. Be instant, in season and out of season. In season, when it's pleasant, when it's enjoyable, when you're together in God's house with God's people. Amen. It's great. Come on. For a preacher, I, <clears throat> I'm now retired from the pastorate, and so people have asked me, how do you like it? I said, I love it. You get to go out there and preach, have a great time preaching, and I say, Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Leave this poor guy with all the results, you know. <laughs> My pastor, David Kevin, years ago, he said, I'm looking for the perfect church. This is back in the 70s. I'm looking for the per perfect church. Pays $50,000 a year and has no people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Somebody as well said, the, the world would be a great place if it wasn't for people. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? So again, be instant in season. Yeah, okay, but also out of season when it's not so comfortable. When again, some of this peril is coming your way. 
Just recommit yourself. When somebody falls alongside you, they're not serving the Lord, some tragedy took them out, then, again, rather than find fault with them, recommit yourself and say, Lord, God help me that it doesn't happen to me. My family's heard it many times over the years. I said, God, you're omniscient. And you know the end from the beginning. And if you see me making an idiot of myself, just take me out early. And everybody come to my funeral and say, Brother Lonick was such a great man of God. <laughs> Little would they know, just a few weeks down the road, I'd have done some ungodly thing. God forbid. God forbid. But I mean it sincerely. So if I die, if I die driving home, you'll say, well, thank God he took him out. <laughs> but I'm serious. I don't want to embarrass my family, my daughters, their family, my grandkids, and they have to live with that. Oh, God, you know my heart. Don't let, don't let that happen. Because, come on, I put my pants on one leg at a time. I'm, I'm made of the same clay you are. I deal with the same sin nature you do. <laughs> so, again, just recommit ourselves to faithfulness. God, help me to be found faithful. I, I'm just telling you again, Lord. <laughs> you know, you have an invitation, and you, about every church has somebody that comes, like, regularly, you know. They're at the altar a lot, and I've heard pastors say they have had someone asking, well, why do you come to the altar? I don't need to come to the altar all the time. He said, we ought to come to the altar all the time. All of us ought to come to the altar. Amen. <laughs> when the word of God finds you, speaks to your heart, come on. Amen. Again, that's knowing who we are, but it ought to cause us, not that you have to come down here, but I think at every service, when God speaks to your heart, you say, Lord, thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for calling my attention to this. And God, I, want to, I just want to recommit myself to the cause. And I want you to know that I'm, I'm burdened to be faithful, and I, it's my heart. I want to be faithful. God, help me be faithful. So recommit. Number four, rebuke when necessary. Look at, look at verse number two again. <clears throat> Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove. Rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. <clears throat> Rebuke when necessary. I've kind of illustrated it this way. <clears throat> A friend will tell you when you got spinach in your teeth. <laughs> They'll say, hey, come here, come here. <laughs> you got this green thing right here. You take that right out there. <laughs> Now, that's kind of embarrassing for both parties. But a friend doesn't want you to go around looking like that. <laughs> so they are a friend. I mean, you want to say thank you. <laughs> you got this thing right here. Get that off there. <clears throat> I'm just saying, sometimes, what is, what's the little phrase, love is tough, you know. Sometimes you have to take them aside and say, listen, <clears throat> don't do that. <laughs> don't talk like that. You know better. Come on, just, just a stern correction. Not because you want to find fault or just kind of run them down. No, because you love them. Amen. And, and there's a cause that we're all engaged in, and they're a reflection of all of us. Come on. There's a testimony that this church has to maintain, and if you're a member here, come on, you're a part of the body. 
He recognized that they have a testimony to maintain, and if you're a drag on it, somebody ought to take you aside and say, hey, you're a drag on it. You need to kind of, come on, get some things in line here. Straighten up. Amen. So when your pastor says, come here, I need, I need to talk to you a minute. Don't say, oh, no. <laughs> he loves you. More than that, it's bigger than you. He cares for this church. He cares for the Lord's cause. And not just him, your Sunday school teacher, a friend, a fellow member. Come on, I'm talking about people. They care about you as a part of this body. So again, sometimes you need to rebuke when necessary. It, and again, you better approach it. If you're the one calling someone to account, and again, Jesus gave the instruction about if you're offended, go to your brother. He may not even know what he's done. Say, well, they offended me. They need to come to me. They may not know they did. So you're, it's on you. Well, no one wants to do it. <laughs> do we? Do we? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to approach it. I'll just let it slide. Well, if you can let it slide, okay, but if it's sticking under your saddle, you know, it's a burr that rubs you. Every time you see him, you think about it. You need to go to him. Come on, it's on you. So when you do go, then you need to bathe it in prayer and say, God, help me when I go. Help me what I say, how I say. I'm going to do it because you said I need to do it. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. So, Lord, you help me when I present it that I do it right. And it accomplishes what God intends for it to accomplish. You can restore the brother in the fellowship. Amen. Don't let Satan get a wedge in here. Yeah. Okay. So again, rebuke when necessary. Number five, don't give up on people. <laughs> Look at verse number two again. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke. Exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Exhort. Don't give up on people. When they fail or they do wrong, exhort them. Encourage them. Aren't you glad God's the God of the second chance? Third chance, fourth chance. <laughs> Peter said, Lord, how many times do we have to forgive somebody? Seven times for crying out loud? <laughs> No, Peter, uh, 70 times 7. You know, there's some people, get their calculator out. <laughs> okay, but you better watch it. You're on 482. <laughs> You're pushing the limit here, bud. He didn't mean 490. And then you don't forgive him. No, he's talking about by the time you've exercised that, you've gotten in the mode that he wants you to be in, that aren't you glad he's in? Aren't you glad you haven't come to the Lord? And he said, that's 491, you're out. <laughs> no, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, amen. <laughs> well, then come on, if he forgives us. Isn't there something in Ephesians chapter 4 about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So don't give up on people. <clears throat> Exhort them to do right. Be long-suffering until they do do right. Look at verse number 11. It's interesting here. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark. You know Mark? John Mark? <laughs> Paul kind of got ahead of God too, didn't he? 
you're not bringing that guy. <laughs> he quit. He's not going again with Barnabas. You know the story. Now he's saying, bring him. He's profitable to me in the ministry. John Mark recovered. Barnabas, the son of consolation, did some work that Paul didn't do. And he helped recover John Mark. Come on, long suffering. One of the great attributes of our God is he is long suffering. He is long suffering. And we need to learn to be the same. Keep preaching what is right. He says there in verse number two, preach the word, but he says, uh, with all long suffering and doctrine. Come on, Brother Brooks, we've got to preach doctrine. <laughs> we've been talking about a dear friend of ours in the ministry, Richard King. That Brother Brooks looks like Brother Richard King. Some may know him. Anyway, he, he gives the story. He tells the story. He was preaching somewhere, and he said this woman came up to him and said, Brother King, we just so love your preaching. You don't preach doctrine or nothing. You just preach. <laughs> He said, I think she was trying to compliment me, <laughs> I think. But no, we need to preach doctrine. Yeah, what's that? The Word of God, that's what it is. Yeah. He's already said preach the Word, but there's a little bit more detail there. There's some doctrine. There's some great truths of the Word of God. There's some great uh, principles, and we talk about vain traditions, but there's some good godly traditions we're told in Thessalonians. Come on, we're to teach those things. Yeah. Yeah. So again, keep preaching. Don't give up on people. Number, number six, don't be surprised at what men will do. <laughs> Look at verse number three. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. I had a family in our church, great young family, teenage girls, the wife got involved in this homeschool movement, and I'm a homeschooler, and I love it, but you better be careful with some of these groups and things. Calvinism is rife in some of this stuff. And the wife got caught up in that. And let me just throw in for free, fellas, husbands, fathers, be the spiritual leader you're supposed to be in your home. God's going to hold you accountable for your home. This man didn't come from him. It came from his wife. And so I, I told him, I said, brother, you, you need to, you know, I mean, I asked him about that. I said, this isn't what you believe. This isn't what you want. No. Then you need to step up and say, honey, this is wrong. We're going we're gonna to do what's right. We're going to stay in this church because she's wanting to leave. Here's what he said. Well, preacher, happy wife, happy life. You know what that is? It's called idolatry. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Sometimes our family becomes a god. <laughs> Don't be surprised <laughs> at what men will do. In chapter 4, verse 16, in 1 Timothy, Paul told Timothy, Take heed unto thyself. 
I mentioned it, and I'll say it again. Don't be surprised at what you would do. <laughs> but come on, we're, we're sinners by nature. Now, I know we've got the Holy Spirit. I mentioned it last night. No temptation. We can, God has a way of escape. We can, we can overcome it. But we have to find the way of escape. It's provided if we're looking for it. We have to make the move. We're not robots. God's given us a free will. We have to exercise it in the right manner and do the right thing. I've often said, I'm stuck in this clay pot. I'm better looking than this. I'm stuck in this clay pot. <laughs> this ain't the real me, you know. <laughs> no, the real me is inside of here. But the real me has to deal with this clay pot. <laughs> and Paul said it well. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Yeah. The things I ought to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Come on, if Paul struggled with it, who do we think we are? Yeah. So again, don't be surprised at what men will do. And that goes to number seven here. Watch out for yourself. Look at verse number five. But watch thou in all things. Watch thou in all things. Watch out for yourself. There's a practice to maintain so that we stay online and we stay committed and we, we find ourselves still on the narrow way when others may be falling aside. Uh, in, verse, in chapter 3, in verse number 14, look what he says. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Continue steadfastly. I'm still toying with a message I may preach Sunday night from this very passage. Just, just keep going. <laughs> One foot in front of the other. Just keep going. Sometimes, come on, someone said, are you here because you have to be? Well, yeah, I'm a Sunday school teacher and I got to be there. Well, I would hope that that's not always the case. Sometimes that may be, you know, the alarm goes off on Sunday morning. And you're like, <laughs> you heard the story about the guy, the alarm goes off Sunday morning. And he tells his wife, I'm not going this morning. She said, honey, you got to go this morning and say, you know, people are, going to be serving there, and you got a place of service. You need to be there. I, I'm telling you, I'm done. No one appreciates what I do anyway, so I'm not going. She said, kept saying, no, honey, come on. <laughs> It'll be okay. Just get out of here. I'm not going. I'm telling you, I'm not going. She says, honey, you're the pastor. you got to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just continue. And then he, he says, what you know, look at verse 15, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. <clears throat> what we know, talked about it last night, the word of God invested in our lives doesn't return void. And the word of God is a good motivator. Yeah. The things that we know, and come on, one day I'll stand before the Lord, I'll give an account. That, that's a good motivator, yeah. So, so what we know, continue the things you know. And then apply in verse number 16. All scriptures give by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to apply it. We'll put it to work in your life. David said, taste and see. The Lord's good. <laughs> but you do have to put it to work. Come on. So again, watch out for yourself. 
number eight. I've only got 24 points. <laughs> number eight. This is a good one. Develop some thick skin. <laughs> Look what he says in verse five. Endure afflictions. Again, I say, what's it take to stop you? It's, it's pretty pathetic how shallow our Christianity is. When some little somebody said something just, just didn't sit right with me. I'm not going today like the preacher said. <laughs> What's it take to stop you? Again, who are you serving? Who are you serving? I'm serving my Lord. I'm purposing to please him. <laughs> and sometimes he puts me in places that are not the most pleasant, and I have to deal with people and all that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve. I'm going to be faithful. Come on. I'm going to endure hardness. I'm going to take it like a man. Yes, sir. I'm going to man up. Develop some thick skin. Number nine, don't get sidetracked. Hear that one. Don't get sidetracked. Verse number five again. Watch thou in all things. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. Sam Davison's known for saying, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. You know what the main thing is in the church ministry right here? evangelism there's some great side benefits enjoyed it Wednesday night man some good chili amen some good fellowship amen those are side side benefits but don't get sidetracked a lot of so called churches today are nothing other than a social club and worse than that they're immoral social clubs when I was pastoring, I remember like two or three times in particular in a military community like you are, and we would have family from some of our people, you know, would come, and so while they're there, they'd come to church with them. And, you know, evidently they didn't, their family wasn't necessarily saved or came from an independent Baptist church. So I remember, again, a couple instances very clearly, family's leaving, and, and the man says to me, shakes me and said, Pastor, message in the service is really a blessing today. I can't remember the last time I was in a church where they actually opened the Bible. Now, now I was raised in a Christian home. <clears throat> my mom was a Southern Baptist. My dad was a Northern Baptist, and they knew they were saved. They didn't know why they was Baptist, but they got that straightened out. But by the time I came along about eighth and ninth grade, and we got an independent Baptist movement. But I've always been in church, raised in church, you know, haven't known anything other than a Baptist church. And uh, so I'm a little bit spoiled, so the person tells me that I said, excuse me? Yeah, I'm telling you, church we've been in, the, the pastor brings some news item or something from the paper, and then he reads it, and then he makes some spiritual application. He, he never, never reads from the Bible? No. That's sidetracked big time. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what Paul's talking about here, the itching ears. Tell me what makes me feel good, you know. Give me the entertainment I want. It's not about, it's not about the Lord, it's about me, you know. Yeah. Don't get sidetracked. Our job is not lordship, it's discipleship. We're not the Lord over God's heritage. 
come on, that again, when, you know, somebody, whatever, we're going to make them do whatever, you know, no. Our responsibility is evangelism, discipleship. That's what, that's number one. Everything that goes on here in this church is either directly or indirectly related to the cause of winning the lost. That's our purpose. That's why there is a thing called an institution of the church, okay? He established it to fulfill the very purpose for which the Father had sent him. As my Father has sent me, so send I you. Well, why did the Father send him? To seek and to save that which is lost. Come on, folks. Let's get serious here. We're here to win people to the Lord. That's what we're here for. And once we win them, then we're to teach them and train them so they can win others. That's our purpose. Judgment begins at the house of God. Problems in our nation today are not because of the Obamas and the Pelosi's and that crowd. The problem is God's people are not doing and being what they're supposed to do and be. Don't tell me God's program doesn't work. God don't make no junk. Hello. (laughs) The plan works if we work the plan. The problem is we're not working the plan. We're getting sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. Number 10. Prove to the doubters... There are still those you can count on. <laughs> I've met people, I'm sure you have too. You're door knocking, you're visiting, inviting people to come and that sort of thing. And I've had it said to me, I'm done with church. And they begin to tell of some experience they had. It was a bad experience. Now again, come on, what's it take to stop you? But they may not be very spiritually grounded or whatever. And they use it as an excuse. And they get the attitude. Here's, here's the thing that bugs me. They get the attitude. Everybody's like that. The world makes much of when God's people fail big time. Makes them feel good about themselves. I'll get a little political here. Excuse me. We're just coming out of the time. That's what bugs me about the Democrats. They can do whatever they want. Come on. They have no moral compass. So whatever's best for them and for their party, they'll lie, they'll cheat, they'll do whatever they want to do. And it's okay. But don't let the Republicans say, you know, they're Christians, and a lot of them, I understand not everybody. Need I go there? Okay. I get more upset with the Republicans than I do the Democrats most of the time. But, but they make much, come on, if some Christian fails or lies or whatever, boy, then they take it to the front page, the New York Times, go down the list. Come on, we hear all about it. Well, it's the same in so many ways. People say, you know, I heard about that preacher and he did this and that and he got involved in you know, you just can't believe preachers. Let me tell you, friend. Elijah kind of suffered from that mentality. He said, I'm the last one standing. <laughs> Everybody else has given up. The Lord said, you don't know what you're talking about. I got 7,000 never bowed their knee to Baal. Come on, there, there are more that are faithful than those that are not faithful. Right. Amen. There are more good pastors like you have. Come on, all over this country. Thank God for it. It's just the the few that get all the attention and they cause all the dissension because of their failure. Well, again, that ought to motivate us 
to say, listen, I'm going to prove that there are good godly people that live what they really believe, and they really believe it. Amen. Let me give you this as kind of a guide. This is called defining your place of service. If you're doing it because no one else will, it's a job. If you're doing it to serve the Lord, it's a ministry. Let me just say it's interesting here in this passage, verse number 5, make full proof of thy ministry. Verse 11, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Come on, we're all in the ministry. This church has a ministry. And you're a member here, you're a part of the ministry. So again, if you're doing it because no one else wants a job, if you're doing it to serve the Lord, it's a ministry. If you're doing it just well enough to get by, it's a job. If you're doing it to the very best of your ability, it's a ministry. If you're doing it only so long as it doesn't interfere with other activities, <laughs> it's a job. If you're staying with it, even when it means letting go of other things, it's a ministry. If you're doing it because someone else said it needs to be done, it's a job. If you're doing it because you are convinced the Lord wants it done, it's a ministry. If you quit doing it because no one praises you or thanks you, it's a job. If you continue on in your place of service, even when no one seems to notice, it's a ministry. If it's hard to get excited about what you're doing, it's a job. If it's impossible not to be conscious of the eternal importance of what you're doing, it's a ministry. If you're doing it to get paid, it's a job. If you're doing it for God's glory, it's a ministry. People may say, well done, when you do your job. The Lord will say, well done, when you complete your ministry. A carnal church is filled with people doing jobs. A spiritual church is filled with people involved in ministry and continuing in them. Continuing steadfastly, I might add. What's your place of service? Is it some sort of obligation you feel? Or some motivation you have because you want to please your Savior? Prove to the doubters there are still those you can count on. Number 11, this is the last point. Remember the reward and the heritage. Remember the reward and the heritage. Look at verse number 7. Didn't read this, but you know the testimony of the Apostle Paul. I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. There's a crown to be won. And listen, it's really, if if we're motivated by the right motive, it's not that I get this crown I get to wear. No, the motive is I'm going to have something I'm going to be able to give to my Savior because he's given so much to me. Anything I am, everything I have came from him. I have nothing. Without him, I am nothing, let alone can do anything. But I'm going to have the opportunity if I'm faithful and I I meet up to my place and I'm faithful till the end. Come on, till Jesus comes for me or till I give up the ghost. Come on, I'm going to get a reward. I'm going to hear the Lord say, you done good. Can you imagine? I heard a preacher say he's going to be standing in line. You know the line, we're all standing before the Lord and it comes your turn to get up there. And he says, you did, you did good. I'm so proud of you, you did good. And he said, I'm going to be looking. Who are you talking to? 
Because come on, none of us are worthy. And we don't certainly consider ourselves that. We anticipate getting, how many of us, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but in sincerity, how many of us really think I'm going to hear well done? Because my understanding of well done is like the Apostle Paul or somebody. But remember what we said at the outset, what Paul said, what God said? When we compare ourselves among ourselves, we're not wise. To whom much is given, much is required. Come on, God, God deals with us as with sons. And we can be found faithful. I have an elderly lady in our church, 94 years old. <clears throat> and she's, you know, homebound. She, she can't come to church like she wants. And she's always saying, I don't, I don't know why the Lord just doesn't take me home. I said, Magic, because you're a faithful prayer warrior. And I'm telling you, we need you praying. And God needs you praying. And until you're done, until he's done with you, you are invincible. <laughs> Amen. And that applies to any of us. Amen. I think Magic Foot is going to stand before the Lord and he's going, Magic, you've done good. <laughs> you were faithful. You know, all that's required of us is to be found faithful. I said, all that's required of us is to be found faithful. God, help me be found. I'm not perfect. God doesn't expect perfection. We will be made perfect one day. There's a perfecting work that goes on on this side as God continues to conform us to his image. But no matter where you are, the apostle Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended. Come on, no one gets to the point and say, man, here I am. <laughs> the finished product. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> I think if you're a finished product, we're in trouble. That's what I think. Because <laughs> there's none of us perfect. None of us. Come on, none of us are perfect. We're not going to get up there. You did good. You're perfect. No, he's going to say, you did good. You're faithful. Well done. Come on, if that doesn't motivate you, you need help. <laughs> to stand before your Lord and he's going to give you a hug and say, I'm so proud of you. Oh, my word. Can you imagine? Give us a crown for being faithful. There's five crowns that can be won. Not everybody can win all of them, but as many as I can win, I want to be found faithful enough to win so that when all is said and done, we're going to join with that heavenly band. We're going to sing that great chorus, Worthy the Lamb. <laughs> I'm not worthy. You're not worthy. Nobody's worthy except the Lamb of God. It taketh away the sin of the world. And I'm going to be able to put, place a crown or two at his feet and say, Lord, this is because of you. <laughs> what a blessing. And then as I said, in the heritage, we have a goodly heritage. This church has a goodly heritage. You've got 43 years of heritage. Talking about Brother Williams, now Brother Brooks. Come on, you're going to continue steadfastly and down through these 43 years. There have been faithful soldiers here. Some have gone on to glory. Come on, I know. I've, I've pastored 41 years in the same place. Good, godly people. You think about them, you miss them yet, but thank God for the memory of them and the labor that they had together with them. You know, That's a goodly heritage. I mean, sweet stuff that we're going to rejoice in heaven for all of eternity. But it's bigger than that, just those that we know here. It goes clear back to like the hall of faith. And you go to chapter 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But it talks about there's a great host of witnesses. It's not like they're just on the edge of the portals of glory watching everything that goes on. 
You know what I think? I think they really don't care what goes on down here anymore. They're glad to be delivered from it. <laughs> I was at a funeral of a saved person. I always tell the family, you know, so-and-so, they're feeling sorry for us about now. Yeah. They're rejoicing in glory, and we got to stay down here, you know. So I don't think they really want to know all the heartache and all the sorry conditions. They're delivered from it. Not to say that they don't have some knowledge of some things. The Bible says when one soul repents, all of heaven rejoices. Your front page news, I tell a new convert, your front page news in heaven right now, they're talking about you. John got saved today. It's a great thing. John got saved. Amen. But I'm talking about just day-to-day stuff that goes on in the old sin-sick world. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to know about it. Talking about the witnesses, talking about their testimony is an inspiration. Guy like Daniel, (laughs) is he an inspiration or what? 90 years old, faithful to the very end. Yeah. I mean, you go down the, the Hall of Faith, just chock full of great witnesses of God's goodness and God's grace and God's, God's utility of human instrumentality. Amazing, amazing. Come on, now it's come to our generation. Now it's on us. There's a heritage. We've got to keep it going. We've got to continue steadfastly in this place. Come on. God help us to just keep going in the same way, holding to the same great godly heritage. Come on, I, I'm whistling in the dark here. You say, well, Baptists, you know, haven't always been. Oh, yeah, they have. Go clear back to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was baptized by a Baptist. Yeah. No, I'm serious. <laughs> Wasn't John the baptizer. Come on. It's a noun. It's not a verb. (laughs) I'll go off on all that, but we have a goodly heritage. Amen. Go back to Dr. Dow. I sat under him for several years. He said, he said, you can't trace, you go through the dark ages and all, we can't trace, you know, the, our Baptist church back to this Baptist church to that Baptist church, you know, he said, because there's, there's no record of some of that, but he said, Here, here's the thing. If I, if I have a chain that goes from here to the back and you got a carpet or a blanket or something over, you can't see. You, know, you can see the chain here and you can see the end there, but you can't see the chain in between. He said, but if I shake it here and it rattles down there, it's connected. <laughs> well, come on, you shake it here and it rattles here, it's connected. We have a goodly heritage. Amen. It's the same faith. (laughs) James talked about it. Jude talked about it. This faith, come on. Our faith, the faith, not a faith, the faith, the word of God. And we're to hold to that. We're to continue steadfastly in it. Come on. And there's a reward at the end. (laughs) So again, it is a warfare. Be a good soldier. Battle's raging, and it's ramping up. We need to be found faithful. We need to continue steadfastly until Jesus comes for us. All in favor of that, say amen. Amen. Let's bow for prayer.